1: Cause you'll find us here Moving Iron. Hello, and welcome to
0: Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800 657 4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, Ag Direct can help you finance it. You can even apply online at Ag Direct. Dot com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. This week, I've got a uh, regular repeat guest on. I've got Rich Posson. Uh, Rich has got a podcast called Critical Point Podcast, and Rich has been on the podcast for about three years now, four years now, something like that. And he's been a, a wealth of knowledge when it comes to what's going on in the overall economy. And Rich, how are you doing this morning? Very good, Casey. Why don't you tell the people about your podcast and what you've been doing over there?
1: Yes, uh, you can find it at criticalpointpod.com has information about myself, the modeling analysis, there's links to go find videos, audios. some free, some is uh, subscription based. In the subscription, we uh, discuss the economy from a business cycle point of view, we take a look at what's the largest trends for an entire decade of economic growth, as well as economic destruction. <laughs> and we break it down into uh, short term. So we kind of have guidance of where we're going month to month. And then uh, we look at the stock market, have a very good model that's worked for decades here, uh, quite profitable for me and everyone's been working with me on it. And uh, so we get quite detailed with that. We can even give daily updates, a weekly update, and then for long-term only we have a monthly update And then we have the grains. Uh, We look at gold a little bit. That's kind of just a secondary market for us. Uh, Bitcoin and crude oil and stuff like that and interest rates are kind of a secondary uh, thing. In other words, we're not necessarily giving alerts and signals on them, we're just giving analysis. Uh, But we actually give signals uh, to kind of help with the trading, investing in the stock market and the grain markets and and even apply some of this technology to uh, climate in the sense of trying to point out range of years where we're at uh risk for crop problems we don't fine-tune it uh we leave that up to the weathermen to kind of point out whether the problem's developing or not but at least gives us a guidance to to look when there might be a problem yeah
0: all right so speaking of problems uh there's a uh, there's a fair amount of stuff going on right now if you take a look at what's going on in the news you can't help but hear about you know rocketing interest rates inflation um, we're doomed to go into a recession. all these things are, are moving along like like you've you've talked about this, but you' you're more down the road, like you're thinking more like 2030 before we really have a major hiccup. I guess as you go back and, and look at what's going on in in your data now what what, do you, what are you seeing as far as recession goes?
1: Yeah, I'm uh, finding it difficult to buy into what's uh, scaring at least some and, and Wall Street and even the public, um, and they call it the yield curve inverting. And what that simply means is short-term interest rates are moving up faster than the long-term interest rates, and they, they create a curve, and pretty soon the curve is just going inverted. And what they've learned is that's usually a sign of recessions coming But the problem is they kind of advertise it like it works every time and it does not. In addition, addition, it's a poor timing tool. Uh, Normally a recession might not even hit to a year, year and a half out. Yes, there's been occurrences six, nine, 10 months or something like that. But basically uh, what they're looking at is some of them are already targeting early next year for recession. Well, that does not fit with the business cycles that I use. And these business cycles do very good at pointing out where's the most important recession? And it normally only occurs once a decade. It normally occurs near the end of a decade or the beginning of a decade. And granted, some people would say, well, we're still in the early part of a decade, but we've already seen that recession. That was the virus pandemic recession. Mm -hmm. So um, the best I can say, if maybe I could be somewhat right and maybe they're going to be somewhat right and we see some issues later this year but I doubt and on into next year but I doubt it can turn into a true recession where the government's even going to say we are in a recession the federal reserves would say that Um, and I must say I've just uh, developed something here in the past week uh, where I take instead of the spread of the short-term and long-term interest rate I created a ratio, and I like that better than uh, if it's in my model better. And you can see the ratio was just climbing, climbing, climbing. And it's just saying, yes, that two-year interest rate is just rising much faster than the 30-year, maybe the 30-year is even going down still. And I could see why they were getting nervous over that. But the fascinating thing is just last week we made a forecast that it's possible that ratio is top. Therefore, the inversion spread they have topped. Lo and behold, we come in this week and that ratio is down. And then we looked looked at, okay, what, what was the two-year doing? Well, the two-year was then dropping faster than the 30-year, the 10-year. And uh, so to me, it's giving us a little sign of relief here that that may not work, that it's currently, and but this could be something that's on the table, off the table for a while, uh, suddenly it's inverted again and everybody's going to worry about a recession and then a little while later it's not and this could be a struggle. I think what occurred is these interest rates rallied so fast that it was just the short term going up uh, too fast. Now the long term people dealing in that see the same thing. They're just saying, you know what, we've got to recognize the fact the Federal Reserve is going to raise these rates. They're going to raise it several times for quite a while. And now what's going on is we got like a tide. Instead of a little wave coming across the ocean, hitting the beach, we now actually got a tide coming in where all these interest rates are going to go up together. And if we can keep them going up together, that increases the odds of staying away from the inversion and therefore staying away from recession. And I think that's how it's all going to work. So I'm very concerned about these people forecasting recession. I think they're going to, get people off on the wrong track. But that doesn't mean our economy won't slip a little bit because the Fed Reserve has made it clear. They are declaring war on inflation. They're not just trying to ease it back. They wanna hammer it, okay? So they're warning us, they're willing to take the risk of taking this country into recession. They're almost, this is almost like a miniature Paul Volcker moment back in 1980 when Volcker came in and said, this inflation is going to destroy us and, and interest rates have been rising, but they're not rising fast enough. And we're going to use that interest rate as the weapon to kill inflation. And, he's, and he they did. He just threw the country right into recession. And uh, and President Reagan was, of course, not that pleased with it, but he understood, right. fortunately, what was really trying to be accomplished. And, it, and by golly, it worked. Well, Paul Volcker was hired to keep us from hyperinflation because we had inflation throughout the 70s. It was all every year, five, six, seven, eight percent price increases year after year. The whole decade averaged like seven or eight percent. It was ridiculous. And and, and and the Federal Reserve woke up, hey, whatever we're doing here, this is not working. This system's going to blow up. And Paul Volcker was pretty much trained, educated uh, how to deal with that. And that's why he basically became the head of the Fed. And he said, here's how we're going to do it. And we're coming out with guns blazing. And uh, and, and by golly, uh, yes, we went into recession, but it really didn't kill the country. It wasn't the end of the world. Um, this time around, I'm still convinced this decade is not the 1970s. It's more like somewhere between the 50s, 60s, and the 70s, meaning, you know, in the prior decade, the Federal Reserve couldn't even get interest rates up to their 2% target. Now it's way above their target. I think it's coming down to slightly above their target. about three percent average for this decade, I think is what's going to occur. They're not going to be able to get it back to two percent. They're probably always going to wonder why not. But I think they're also going to be cautious that if they ever drove it below two percent, then that increases the risk of going down to zero or minus, and now we're in a recession so I'll I think they're going to be cautious here, trying not to cause a recession, but I don't think they're worried about slowing down the economy. I think they feel almost, again, like a miniature Paul Volcker moment is, is best here, that if we have to cool down the economy, do it and get that inflation down. So these rates are going to keep going higher, but I think the key is we need to watch those long term rates versus the short term. If we can keep them as a group moving higher, I think we're going to be all right. You're not going to get that inverted stuff that could suddenly cause some little crisis in the financial system. And then the next thing you know, it's hurting business and consumers, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, I fully understand why some people are forecasting this stuff. But it, it, it just fascinates me the amount of intelligent, very experienced people out there. It's almost like they dig too deep in the data and even if they're broad minded, it somehow makes them narrow minded. Right. And, and it's like they forget the real business cycle. And yeah. the real business cycle for the history of this country, and I can even prove it goes back into England a long time before. We basically will build an economy for about a decade. And then yes, something's gonna fall apart. Okay. And then we fix it. And these days. Uh, The falling part is is brief compared to, you know, prior generations. We get it over with quickly creates a crashing moment, but we get it over quickly and we rebuild quickly normally because we print money and pump Mm -hmm. it out there again. But um, yeah, I, I'm not saying that it's going to be a sweet ride all the way to near the end of this decade and then we have a problem. Uh, And recently I've had some people ask the right question to me, uh, challenge me. Well, they'll say, listen, what what if these people are calling for a 50% crash stock market? What if they're wrong? But what if the market fell a smaller amount where they could say they were somewhere right? Would that actually fit in my work where I could say I was also still somewhere right? That it just wasn't devastating enough, you know? And I will say, yes, we have to be concerned through this decade, the stock market can drop 20%. That's normal fluctuation during a boom period. But it doesn't happen that often. And we just went through one. Okay. Uh, the NASDAQ stock index fell what 22% or more. I think the Russell 2000 was down 25%, 27%. Uh, percent. The S&P was only down 16%, but good enough in my opinion. Okay. So, uh you know, the way I look at it, the stock market is probably going higher into 2024. And then I do see some issues, 2024, 2027, somewhere is in there. Uh, I do think commodities can come down quite a bit by then. Mm-hmm. I think real estate can back off quite a bit. Therefore, probably inflation is coming down quite a bit by, by then. But I don't see this war on inflation uh, causing issues from now into 2024. I think there'll just be little hiccups, speed bumps, hurdles, some headwinds at times, hold us back. Um, Yes, little drops in the stock market. And we may worry over it, but it's fascinating when you look at the, especially the stock market, when it does these decade-long bull markets, it's fascinating how many people worried throughout the entire uh, bull market and, and they lacked. And speaking of worrying, If you look at the University of Michigan consumer sentiment, and i got a chart up in front of me here to remind me just what it's doing. The sentiment rating is uh, below 65. can't read my chart here. It's probably like 63. And consumers back in 2017 going into 2018 were like 100 in that index. Okay. So big change. So what happened is the virus pandemic come in and just hammered that from the 100 down to about uh, 71, it looks like. And then we recovered, okay, on up to about 88. And now here it is 65. The the consumer is more pessimistic today than they were back during the pandemic virus, right? Yet the economy today is record large. If we put a dollar amount on it, it, our economy is worth the most ever. If we put a volume on it, it's the biggest, largest economy we've We've had ever, so we have recovered. We did beat the recession. We are moving. So why is the consumer so pessimistic? Well, the biggest answer is the consumer's watching prices go up in the store, mm-hmm. and, and they're just saying this is not good. <laughs> okay. The interesting thing, though, is when you look at the uh, what they're doing on their credit card, they've spent record amounts. Now, of course, some of that is because of inflation; everything's more expensive. But the point is, they're not cutting back. There's no evidence of them cutting back. If you find evidence, it's they're saying, well, I'm not buying this product as much as I used to. But you find out they're actually buying, just replacing that with something else. OK, so at the moment, the consumer's thinking this is not good for the future. And they may even be saying that or saying a little something. different. But when you see what they're doing, they're not doing what they're talking about. Well, I went back and looked at the financial crisis in 2008, 2009. And from 2009 bottom, you could see the consumers started to get a little more optimistic and then turn pessimistic. And by 2012, they were just as pessimistic as during the financial crisis. I remember the Bank of America Merrill Lynch had an index showing the retail investor in the stock market was actually more negative the stock market than during the crash in 2008, 2009. And they were wrong. So that got me digging, going back all the way back into the 1950s. And I found that's not a regular pattern. It doesn't happen that often. But I found similar patterns where people, uh, they see the recession, they see a little bit of a rebound, and then they get nervous. Yeah, but that's a fake out. It's not going to work. You know, this country's still got problems. And they worry that it's just everything's going right back down again. And here we are. We're seeing that same story. So my forecast is we've, we're stretching rubber band, the consumer is wrong now. And, and by next year, I'm very convinced the consumers are gonna be much more optimistic. Um, and, I, and I think they're gonna miss out if they think the stock market's just gonna keep falling. I'm not saying it won't fall over the next few weeks here. I, you know, I, my stock market model is warning a little bit of that. But I don't think this is going to turn into a crashing moment. I think what's going to happen is, yeah, I don't think these interest rates are really going to blow us up, send us into a recession. And, uh, and even in the stock market, we're finding evidence that, yeah, maybe the consumers saying, boy, I'm nervous over the future. They're still investing in the, in the stock market. They're buying this stock market and they're just trying to hold on it, wait it out. So, uh, yeah, my game plan here is the consumer will be in a better mood next year. Uh, I said back at the end of last year that I felt like this year's stock market may only be up a little bit. I think I said 5, 7, 9%, but I said I can't rule out something grand, like 20%, but I said, I think it's just going to be up some. And the reason was I knew it could be down. And then when I saw it down this 16 to 26% or whatever, I said, okay, we got a long ways to put it back up. I'm probably going to be right on that 5, 7, 9%. So back late last year also said, 2023 ought to be the great year for the stock market. I think I think we're going to have some good profits in the stock market. So I realize I'm going against some of these guys talking crash and recession, but it's not adding up yet. And I look at their track record to mine and I'm saying, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I got to stick with my track record. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Let my model right. run. Now, Now, that doesn't mean I'm i uh, so bold that, you know, I, I'm I'm fully invested in the stock market. And when I'm fully invested, I'm actually like 200%. So I'm far more aggressive than most people. But um, I always manage my risk. I mean, I have sell stops. If market goes down a little bit, I'm out and I got to start over. So uh, I'm not, I don't want to be an idiot about this at some point. <laughs> and the market at some point proves us all an idiot for a little while at times. we We all have to admit to that and realize that, you know, but I must say, I think this economy is actually on track quite well. I think it, you know, the model was warning this year, we're going to hit speed bumps, hurdles, and, but we're going to deal with it. We're going to work through it. And uh, I do think these interest rates are going to march higher anyways, but I'm really hopeful now that I'm, I'm really excited about this new study that relates to that spread study of the, of the inversion. Uh, I'm forecasting it's not going to be that much of a problem. And, uh, I'm going to stick with my plan that we're not going to go into a recession. But again, we may have some scares along the way, uh, too. And we certainly know we have the headwinds because inflation is there. Uh, by the way, on inflation, uh, the used car prices have crashed on a rate of change basis here. Um, I didn't I didn't uh, remember to put my chart up here so I can give you actual numbers on it. But um, yeah, Wall Street was taking a look at that this week. It was in the headlines, the buzz columns and, and Twitter and all that. Um, and we're seeing a few other things break lower, even egg prices moved up from January to just a few weeks ago, now they're rolling over. Well, you could argue seasonally, they normally do that. They like to run the prices higher up towards Easter. And, uh, and sometimes they start down just as you get in Easter. They're kind of doing it again, but the point is they can be lower later in the year. And so to me, this whole inflation stuff is starting to break up. We're going to start seeing some softer commodity prices. By no means do I think anything's going to crash here, like over in the grain markets. We know, you know, the old crop supplies are very tight. We still got good demand. We got the Russia, Ukraine stuff causing issues. So we're not going to see a, a crash in grains that's then going to crash the inflation right? And Grains are just one component of all that inflation. But I am thinking... That some of these big ticket items and home prices, I mean, I, you know, I got friends calling me up from other states saying, uh, are you building a home? And I said, yeah, I'm trying to build a home, but prices shot up. Well, boy, some of them are reporting that um, it cost them double today yeah. of what it would have a year ago. And many are saying, I got one friend is saying, Well, I built a garage with an apartment. I'm living in it for a few years and then I'm going to build my home. I'm going to take a chance. And he's admitted, maybe he's going to wind up paying even higher. But he says, Boy, this jump was just breathtaking. Uh, got to take a chance to wait, you know? And I, I think these interest rates will curb the uh, the real estate here a little bit. We're kind of seeing a little bit. But on the other hand, there's two credit types of people. One is they're looking at rising interest rates and saying, but I better still buy that home and I have to pay top dollar. I better do it because the rates are just going to keep going higher. I mean, and then the other half are saying, you know what, these these rising rates ought to make things cheaper. Even if not, things are just too expensive and they are back and all. Uh, I think it's going to take a while to get the majority saying, I can wait. I got to." I just have to back off here. but I, I, So this war on inflation is going to work. It's just a matter, are we going to fall into a recession to really help that or not? And uh, as of this morning, I'm saying we're not going to go into a recession. All
0: right. Do you think some of this uh, economy scare that you're seeing is... So like on the equipment side of the business, right now we, you know, if you have if you have a tractor that we can go out and sell a used tractor you can go out and sell or a new one for that matter, you're going to get a premium for it, right? Because you're probably the only one that has it, right? If it's mm-hmm. physically for sale today and you can physically take it home today and go do it, um, do you think some of this? economy scared that, that people are talking about is that clearing of some of that premium across the board, whether it's commodities, whether it's, you know, I mean, we're, we're short on grain, we're we're short on cattle, we're short on hogs. If you look at the number of, of um, animals out there and, and the amount of grain out there and what's going on with Russia and Ukraine, even extrapolates that even more. And then you start looking at, uh, you know, shortages coming out of factories and those kind of things. When factories get back online and everyone's, you know, 100% production is the way it's supposed to be and there's no more delays because they're missing a bearing or whatever might be causing the problem. Um do you think some of that economy scare is just we just we're knocking off that twenty five percent premium that's laying out there or whatever the number is and we're gonna go back to some more of a normal level of, of pricing and, and availability?
1: I do. But I'm finding it difficult to how to time it and how long right. because exactly, even the yeah. supp- even the supply chain, I thought it'd be over by late last year and here we are. Yep. You know, it's 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 improving. We're gonna get there. And I think we're going to get there this year, but it's, uh, it's moving fast enough for some people. I can see that. But I think that's what's going to happen is you got to take the premium out. I don't think we're going to see prices go back to where they were a couple of years ago. I think it's a long ways down the road. You know, home prices aren't going to fully collapse to where they were by no means. Uh, we've done something. We've sh- we've, we're, we're taking prices. And you can see this. We do this about every other decade. And this is the decade to do it. It was the other every other decade. We kind of shove everything up. Then we ease it back some, but seldom do we take it all the way back to the bottom. Right. So it's kind of like walking up a stairs, you know, and uh, and we'll do it again in a couple of decades. We'll have another one of these for some reason where we're going to jump everything up. But I, I, I do think everything's too rich on this whole pricing thing and uh, we'll ease it back. And that that's why the inflation, depending on what indicator you're using, it's anywhere from 5 percent to 10 percent. Uh, I think the one most people watch probably is CPI, and what's that, uh, came in this week, uh, 8.5% or something like that. Yeah, I think in the next few years, they're going to walk that down to about three, but I don't think we're going back to two this decade. If we do, it'll kind of be a brief moment, two, one, next thing you know, you're back to three to four, something like that. Now at the end of this decade, we get that primary recession, that once a decade sell signal I get. Yeah, I would be surprised inflation goes back to zero, maybe even minus. But that's because of the more important recession during decade and uh, not convinced we'll see inflation go that low from now until then. You know, but I, I think we're going to walk it down. I, I'm I'm very confident we're peaking inflation this year. Mm-hmm. So I think prices ease back. It's just some things may not. When you look at the individual items on the list, some things may not actually start down to next year. Some things have already started down and then some things are going to start down this year. But I think as you put it as an aggregate and come up with that inflation number, my guess is we're looking at the highest inflation this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, some people are already gambling that we just saw it in that March report, but I, uh, I don't have anything to fine tune it. I, for all I know, it can go higher into summer than down. And I think that's what the federal reserve is betting on. Also, I think the federal reserve is betting that if they talk, Really serious about this because they're already swinging back to saying we're going to do double increments, or or we at least they're saying they could. Of course, I think they're trying to get the free market to do the the job for them, and and the free market is already way ahead, of my opinion, of the Federal Reserve rate hikes. But I think what they're hoping is the free market system would get rate hikes enough, cool the economy down, start to cool down inflation, and then the Fed, even although they will still raise quite a bit. Um, they won't have to keep pushing it, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's my gut feeling is they're hopeful <laughs> that they're just they're talking and getting started on raising rates is going to help cha- trickle through the system here, and then we, the consumers and businesses, are going to change it and bring bring the inflation down. and And I and I hope that's actually what we do <laughs> because. Right. I really don't want the Fed raising their rate to 5% because I can tell you commodities are going to be in the toilet right along with everything else. <laughs> right. Right. I don't. 5% is not good for me. I uh, And um, and, I, and I want to be cautious saying in a sense I'm not so sure there's a magical number. I'm normally just concerned how fast they raise rates. And, and a couple of weeks ago, we saw a surge in interest rates in the NASDAQ stock index that people normally say are, uh, falls apart on higher interest rates. It does not like higher interest rates. I must say, boy, they surged those rates and people bought those NASDAQ stocks. And I thought, wow, they, uh, even I'm surprised at this, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I'm already bullish on stocks, but I said, I'm surprised at that, but I will say this week um, we saw uh, some selling in the stock market here as they put rates higher and uh, the surge really wasn't as fast. So, I'm getting concerned, Yeah, the, 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 uh, even the stock market is a little sensitive to rates right now, and that's going to come and go, okay, but um, again, uh, at least the, at least going into summer, I don't think we're going to uh, push anything high enough to really trigger, trigger that recession. Hopefully, what's going to happen is we're going to start walking prices down a bit, cool things off a little bit, but the economy will continue to grow, and I think the stock market will pick up on that. It may not be a robust market, but I don't think it's going to fall apart, so... Right on.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, what's your reaction to this uh, thing last week? Is I think it was last week. Janet Yellen made a uh, forward statement, uh, basically to, to China, saying, "Hey, if you guys invade Taiwan, the same things are happening with with uh, Russia as far as sanctions go. We're going to do the exact same thing with you. So uh, you might want to think about that before you go do that." And you know, we didn't really. The market didn't really. Is a blip on the radar. No one really saw much of it, but that's a that's a pretty bold statement. Um, especially when you talk about a trade partner like that with China, that we have not you know from the agricultural side uh, of the business as well as the manufacturing side of, the, of of the business. So, I guess, what's your thoughts on that? Say we had you know China moves on Taiwan and we see this uh, this the same level of sanctions that we saw. Um, get levied to uh russia get levied to china it's gonna have a different um i mean doing wrong russia's got a lot of oil that we that we get that get pumped back out into the world supply but it's a it's a different thing with china so when you look at that what's your thoughts there and, and what kind of impact would you see that having on the overall economy yeah
1: um even two or three years ago when i said boy i'm very bullish this decade but i said um one of the things that might be difficult for me to keep up with and can create some hurdles here and some fast drops in the state of stock market and throttle back in the economy is geopolitical issues, and uh, and back then I was thinking more of just this China and any trade wars and, and and the Asian nations, but I knew we could have issues over in Europe, Russia, Middle East as well. But I um, now, of course, we know Russia Ukraine's on the list, um, and I think with China. On one hand, I'm glad to see that we stepped up and said that because to me, you know, it's sad to see the size of Russia, the size of China wanting to take over other countries, smaller countries. You know, in this day and age, we ought to be better than this. We ought to be more civilized, modern. I mean, it's just, you know, it made sense 500 years ago. Today, I don't get it. I mean, what are you going to, are you really that front as China, really that nervous over Taiwan? Is it really that greedy that it needs it? I just, I yeah. mean, their economy is so much more bigger and they, and they're, I, you know, and and I think the world has to come together. Saying, "Look, whatever the countries we have today, whatever's on that list, is staying on that list. You go take over another yep. country, we're coming after you. We're just not going to tolerate." Right. So, I, granted, I, I hate to see, you know, I love my I love my stock market and I love making money, and it's at the same time I'm willing to have problems over that kind of issue. Now, the key is how serious uh, the problem, and I must say. I think a battle with China is, is probably going to upset our economy more and our stock market more than, uh, say, with Russia. OK, if you if you look at the Russia-Ukraine event and the way I look at it, where that story really hit, uh, all it was was a decline for one to two weeks that brought the, the S P 500 down to near the low of the year, couldn't even take it any lower. Now, the Nasdaq went a little lower, <coughs> but um, that also was a time of some interest rates, too, and we're hovering above it, even while this Russia Ukraine thing is going on and this Russia Ukraine thing can go on for months yet. It could be all year trying to fix that and resolve it. Um, so, but to me, yeah, the China's a big one because we have so much import uh, export business there and uh, and this, and then China's big in relations all over the world. Uh, so yeah, we have to be looking over our shoulder at how can that interfere with our commodities and stock market. Today I don't see it, but I think probably the U.S. made the right statement here and not let wait on that. Okay, they easily could have just focused on Russia-Ukraine and not tried to upset China. And so I'm glad they made the statement, frankly, and uh, because it it's just it just does not make sense to me to do it. And I'm just puzzled why some of these nations get into those kind of attitudes, you know. And uh, yeah, sad, sad state of affairs. But at least today, I'm not dialing anything great, but there's no way I can tell. I mean, if somebody's going to touch off a nuclear bomb over some of this stuff, I very doubt my model is going to have predicted that. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you don't have that built no, in there, No, I
1: think uh, <laughs> that's where the stops come in. But the stops, the, the problem yeah. is when governments do this, they tend to do it over weekends and nights. And so <laughs> it's right. like you and I are screwed when we walk in the next morning. I mean, it's like commodities yeah. are going to be down, stocks are going to be down, and you're not going to do much about it. It, so <laughs> that's
0: very true yeah very true all right so from a world from a world economy standpoint though I mean if we stop taking manufactured goods from China and you know obviously the grain thing that's a there's only so much grain in the world right so I mean they're gonna whatever grain they don't take from us they'll find someplace else and whoever's taking that grain whoever has you know sold that grain to China's gonna be buying it from us I mean right so it's just a big circle right? I mean it's gonna take some while to get that circle going but from the manufacturing side, if the U.S. just says we're no longer taking any manufactured goods from China, period, no more imports from China, that's got to be a bigger deal for China than it would be for the U.S. I would
1: think so. I would think so. Uh, you know, our, our economy is still bigger, in my opinion. It's far more mature how we manage, handle it. Thankfully, our dollar is still valuable enough if we need to print money. There's probably someone else in the world's going to take some of that as well. And that allows us to get away more with other countries, gives us a better cushion. Um, So, uh, yeah, I agree with that statement. Okay, right
0: on. Well, Rich, I could go on for hours with you, man, um, but unfortunately, we can't do that. So as you uh, one last thought here, as you take a look at what's going on through the end of this year going into 2023, what do you think is going to happen? What are your what's your overall picture here?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, let me start with the stock market. The S&P 500, I think by summer, can be back up in the 4,700 area. I'd love to see it at record high, which probably means, I can't even remember the record high. probably got to go over 4,800 or something. But uh, I, I do see somewhat upside. Might see some issues around September and October that are normally soft months of the year. But I think looking out to the end of the year, stock market will be doing fairly well. Next year, much better. Interest rates, um, boy, what we were knocking on the door of uh, – here, I think we can get into the 3% area as we look over throughout the year here, we may see three and a half, 3.7. On the 10 year note, uh, mortgages are already over 5%, haven't seen that since 2010 or something. They're probably gonna work a little higher too. Uh, But again, I don't see those levels as triggering something wrong here. I think the GDP by the end of the year will pull off some, but not by tremendous amounts. I think the inflation is going to be down some, but gosh, it's a wild card. Let's see, we're eight and a half now. If it has topped out, I wouldn't be surprised it eases back six to something like that by the end of the year. I'd love to think five, but that may be pushing it. I think next year is the better, next year and years after is the better time to get it down to. Three and a half, three. I think that's a good, comfortable level. That's still higher than the prior decade, but I'm fine with that. I can live with it. Uh, whereas right at the moment we're frothy, everything's too rich and too expensive. And so I think we'll ease that back. Uh commodities, uh, you know, some of these I think they've already topped, gonna ease back in the end of the year, but um. Uh, like grains i think we're actually going to pop these grains into may and corn might very well be the leader of that uh then we're going to have to wonder are we going to get a crop problem this year or not uh, i'm favoring next year but boy i'm leaving the door open i look at that drought monitor map and i'm saying boy it can be this year and even my model is saying 80 percent chance of lower yield and but at the same time, it's saying it's probably only going to be a couple bushel lowers. So I don't think this is the year for the crop problem. Uh, so I think we'll be backing off the grains into harvest, but I don't see a major drop. It's going to take a while to rebuild these supplies. We don't know yet for sure how much Ukraine can grow and, and produce. And uh, even Russia, even if they're maximum production. With sanctions and the rest of the world, how well are they going to ship it? So, uh, yeah, I can see bearishness going into fall months off the grains, but I'm not convinced it's any kind of major collapse anytime soon here. Uh, what else have I got for you? Uh, the PMIs, which give us an indication of manufacturing services industries and a clue for GDP and how the economy's doing. Yes, they can get sloppy on me going into summer, primarily because we're fighting uh, the inflation. But I'm very convinced next year, if not later this year, uh, I think we'll see some improvement in the PMIs and therefore uh, the economy will finish out okay at the end of the year. Um, that's how I look at it. I think, yeah, we, we got some, we've had struggles and headwinds from January to now. We might have a couple more months, but I think the latter half of this year, we're going to get some things resolved here well enough that uh, we'll see, you know what? The economy is still going to do okay going into year end and the stock market will be working a little higher. And uh, even if commodities are going down into the fall months, um, not a not a major collapse or anything like that. And uh, Model's been doing very good short term in crude oil and it's kind of favoring a little backing off next week, up the following week, kind of zigzagging. I would love to see it ease back into um, May. I think oil is only worth ninety dollars, so it is a little overvalued, overpriced here. Uh, so I don't think it's gonna rush higher like summer still forecast i think that's going to stall out for us i hope um and and we'll just see we'll take it one step at a time and gasoline demands already backing off but normally how they would do it is they might give us a little price break in the summer but um uh, not not anything major you usually have to wait till you get into the fall months for that so mm-hmm. so uh yeah i'm i'm optimistic and basically bullish most stuff here but i uh, you know we do have the geopolitical issues that we have to keep an eye on and crap wise we've got to watch the weather that can now change week to week day to day and uh, there's there's going to be uh it'll fluctuate <laughs> everything's going to fluctuate but i'm not on board with those who are trying to paint a pessimistic picture uh, for this year uh, we'll we'll get through this how somehow some way and, and uh, two thumbs up for next year is better times
0: Right on. All right, Rich. Good stuff, man. Love having you on here once a month to talk about what's going on in the economy. Tell everybody where they can find your podcast at.
1: Okay. You can go to criticalpointpod.com and you'll see some tabs up top where you can go to a page that shows just the videos, audios. You can even subscribe there, but there's also a subscriber page on the homepage. But we do put out some free stuff so you can get some ideas of what we're doing. And at the website, there's explanation of who I am, what am I doing? What are these business cycle models all about? I look at some short-term stuff, all the very long-term stuff of where we think the economy is going next 20 years even. So take a look at that, <clears throat> and you can uh, follow me on Twitter. You can also ping me, uh, DM me on uh, Twitter. I'll answer your questions and whatnot, and uh, my uh, address for that is at Rich underscore Posson, P-O-S-S-O-N.
0: Right now, Make sure you follow him on Twitter. A lot of good stuff comes out there, Rich. Appreciate you being the podcast, man. Thank you very much. Uh, I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also check out my LinkedIn page. Uh, there's a great, a lot of information gets posted there. Just post a new blog. It's out there on LinkedIn. And also go to my website at movingironllc.com. That's where you find the blog posts as well as all the Moving Iron Podcasts, uh, the library of Moving Iron Podcasts are there. Also get all the information for, for the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 6th, 7th, and 8th. Rich is going to be a speaker there. He's going to be talking about what's going on the economy uh, as we head into 2023 so with that i'm casey seymour with rich posson let's go smart folks out axon tire is going to have more tips tricks and client advice throughout the year and in september at the moving iron summit in nashville if you're looking to sign up for the event please head over to movingironllc.com we hope to see you there Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransitinc.com for all of your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com.